Thank you for joining us for today's installment of Cannabis Council Cast. My name is Emily Leangini, and I'm a partner in Errant Fox's Cannabis Industry Group. And I'm delighted to have my partner, Lynn Fiorentino, back with us to talk about some recent developments for Prop 65 that could impact cannabis companies who are selling their products in the Golden State. Lynn, thanks for joining us. Hi, Emily. Thanks for having me back. I'm really looking forward to discussing these interesting issues with you today. So for listeners who may have missed our previous episode regarding Prop 65, you may want to go back and listen to that one first before diving in here. And we've included a link to that episode in the notes for this one. But just to recap briefly, when Lynn joined us last, she was explaining that as of January 4th, 2021, products that contain marijuana smoke or THC and that are available for sale to California consumers are required to bear a Prop 65 warning that these chemicals, marijuana smoke or THC, have been designated as reproductive toxins by the state of California. Then last month, California's Office of Environmental Health Hazard Assessment, or OEHA, issued a proposed regulation, which if finalized would require a specific and tailored warning statements on any products that contain marijuana smoke or THC. So Lynn, can you give us a brief summary of what this new regulation would require and how the new requirements would differ from what's already required for cannabis products? Sure, Emily. So just as a threshold issue, it's important to keep in mind that these are just proposed regulations. So they have not gone into effect yet. But if they do, they drastically are much different than what we currently have for the warnings in this area. So as an example, currently products that contain THC or that could expose consumers to marijuana smoke are required to have a warning, but the warning can be in one or two forms. So most companies will use a short form warning, which does not require that the actual chemical be identified. And so this is just a very truncated, easy way to warn on products. Currently, there's also a long form warning that can be used for these types of chemicals. And that warning would say something like, warning, this product could expose you to marijuana smoke or THC, that are known to the state of California to cause reproductive toxicity or other developmental harm. What's really drastic, if this new rule is finalized, companies will no longer be able to use that short form warning that I would say about 95% of them are currently using. And instead will be required to use a longer form warning, which has much daunting sounding words to it. So for example, for ingestible products that contain THC, the warning, again, if the proposal is finalized, would say, quote, consuming this product during pregnancy exposes your child to Delta 9 THC, which can affect your child's behavior and learning ability. For more information, go to, and then would have the Prop 65 website. What's really frightening about this warning is that it actually refers to a child's behavior and learning ability. The current long form warning for THC and for marijuana smoke do not mention anything about a child's learning behavior or learning ability. So this is really a huge turn in warnings becoming much more aggressive. OEHA refers to them as tailored, but I think there's going to be a huge pushback from cannabis companies that these new warnings really go over the top. 
I had talked a little bit about the current short form warning, which is available for use for these products that can expose consumers to marijuana smoke or THC. And I'd like to just give you kind of Emily sort of a a dramatic comparison to what that short form warning looks like as compared to this proposed new warning for these types of products. So our current short form warning for marijuana smoke and THC as reproductive toxins would look like this. It would have a yellow triangle with an exclamation point in the center, the word warning in bold, and then it would say reproductive harm, and then it would just have the Prop 65 website. Now compare that to what's being proposed here in these new regulations, which again are dramatically more detailed. They've got daunting wording in them and they're gonna scare consumers. So as an example, the proposed warning for, let's just take inhaled products, for example, like cannabis flower and pre-rolls, things like that. The new warning statement, if it's finalized, would say smoking cannabis increases your cancer risk and during pregnancy exposes your child to Delta 9 THC and other chemicals that can affect your child's birth weight, behavior, and learning ability. For more information, go to, and then it has the Prop 65 website. So here what we're seeing for the first time for a reproductive toxin is that it is saying the product can actually affect your child's behavior, learning ability, and birth weight. That is a dramatic shift from what is currently accepted for these types of products with a short form warning, which again is probably what about 95% of these companies use. That short form warning does not require the identification of the chemical at issue. It doesn't require anything about a child's birth weight or learning ability. So we're looking at a dramatic shift here. So would these new warning requirements also apply to other types of cannabis containing products like topical creams and things like that? Yes, they do, Emily, and that's a great question. So for a lot of people, we know they are currently using creams and oils and other dermally applied products that contain THC that provide you know, a variety of pain relief and things like that. If these new warnings go into effect and there's THC that's in a cream or any sort of dermally applied product, the new warning will be required to say, warning, using this product during pregnancy exposes your child to Delta 9 THC, which can affect your child's behavior and learning ability. For more information, go to, and then we'd have the Prop 65 website. So again, what we're seeing here is a dramatic shift in the required content of these warnings um, with the proposed language and really talking about the child's behavior and learning ability. These are not words or content that we've really ever seen before with Prop 65 warnings for reproductive toxins. So it's a big shift. So could it shift gears here? Um, during our last conversation, we talked about the applicability of Prop 65 to hemp and CBD type of products. And during our last conversation, you had explained that any kind of product that contains THC, even if it's hemp or CBD, even if it contains just tiny, tiny, tiny amount of THC, that those products would be required to bear a warning, even if they only contain trace amounts of THC. Does this proposed rule address these types of products as well? So that's a great question, Emily, and I do remember we talked about that on our last podcast together. This proposed warning does not directly address that issue. So in other words, we often have products that don't have any Prop 65 chemicals in them, as far as we know, right? 
but sometimes there's a trace amount. And I think that's what you're hitting at here. So with respect to CBD, that is not on the Prop 65 list. There would be no need to warn with any products that contain CBD. However, when you have a trace amount of a product that is on the list, so in this instance, THC, we, see, we will see trace amounts of THC in some CBD products. That can become a problem, and here's the reason why. All the plaintiffs have to do in this scenario under the Prop 65 law is basically come up with a test result or something that shows that there's any amount of the listed product, so in this case, the THC in the product that's mainly comprised of CBD. Under Prop 65 for THC at this time, we don't have a safe harbor level, which would be a level that the state designates that if you're below that, you don't need to warn. So really it becomes a battle of the experts in this situation, and it can be very costly for companies to be battling back and forth with a plaintiff's Prop 65 attorney who's saying, look, you've got a problem here. Yes, your product is a CBD product, but you've got trace amounts of THC in that, and therefore you have to warn that this is a reproductive toxin. So it does become an issue. Uh, often you've got to have a consultant or an expert that has to come in and try to help you get out of the situation that can be very costly. And we've seen this in other forms of Prop 65 litigation. And as an example, I would give you uh, sunscreens or arthritic type creams that contain a chemical known as TEA. Those often will have a trace amount of DEA in them, and DEA, once again, is on the Prop 65 list. So we've seen litigation in that area, similar to what we could see here with CBD containing a trace amount of THC. So when most hemp and CBD finished product companies will have their finished products tested by third-party labs and receive a certificate of analysis or COA to confirm the cannabinoid content. I know that's also the case in marijuana cannabis as, as well. But if a hemp product or CBD product, if, if the manufacturer has, you know, gets its product tested by a third-party lab and has a COA in their files confirming that there's no detectable amount of THC in the product. Does that mean they're in the clear, you know, or is, is there still the possibility of a plaintiff's attorney potentially challenging them? So you bring up a really interesting point and one that I get asked a lot by our clients with respect to a variety of other products as well. But, you know, this happens and what happens a lot is different labs can come up with different results. And so again, simply because you get a, a certificate of analysis that shows no detectable amount of THC as the cannabis company here does not necessarily mean you're in the clear because a plaintiff's attorney can come back around and say, well, you know, I had the, the product tested at my lab and my lab is showing this and they give you the test results and it's got, you know, some quantifiable level of THC in the product. And so then you're basically back at the negotiation table with your expert saying one thing, their expert saying something else. So it doesn't mean you get out of it altogether, unfortunately. So Lynn, you've mentioned that this, uh, this rule is currently only at the proposed rule stage, meaning that those very scary, potentially over-the-top kind of warning language, that, that's not currently required right now, correct? You're correct, Emily. Currently, these proposed regulations are simply proposed, right? And so the governmental agency that oversees Prop 65, the Office of Environmental health hazard assessment. It's important to know that the submission date for the public comments has been extended to May 24. And so 
cannabis companies have up until that date to submit public comments. And so although cannabis businesses don't have to do anything at this point in terms of they don't have to change the way they're doing their warnings, you know, this is a potential concern. It's a potential change that may go through. There's been a lot of talk in the industry about how warnings need to be more tailored And I sense that this type of proposal is probably a reaction to what's been going on in the marketplace with companies starting to overwarn and the warnings then become diluted, so to speak. So in terms of what is helpful in this situation is if companies, if cannabis companies are encouraged, you know, we would encourage them to submit comments to OEHA. OEHA does thoroughly and carefully read all the comments. And so, you know, and that's certainly something that we can help with if that's something that is is of interest to any of the cannabis companies out there, but we do encourage them to get their comments in no later than May 18. And so, Lynn, before coming to Errant Fox, I worked at the FDA, the U.S. Food and Drug Administration for a number of years and worked on rulemakings. And it's interesting, one of the common misperceptions that I now find that clients have is that the regulators don't read the comments. I think there's a misperception that maybe the comments kind of go into some black hole. <laughs> and so a lot of people think, what's the point? Like, wh- why bother? Do you find that also do be the case when it comes to Prop 65? And I mean, is it really worth having cannabis companies submitting comments? Is there, could it change anything? You know, I think it is worth it, Emily. And the reason I say that is, you know, first off, the OEA has to consider and review all the comments. That's just part of uh, the way the regulations work under California law. But more importantly, if the regulations are actually adopted at some point, OEHA will put out a booklet, and they they typically call it the final statement of reasons, and it will go through all the different comments that they've considered, and they respond to each one of those. And that particular publication can be very helpful going forward if this proposed legislation is actually adopted or regulation rather that booklet can be a source of information to go back to for companies to go back and say gosh i've got this sort of discrete question about the new regulation and you can go back and see how oeha has responded to other companies that have posed that concern or posed that question so yes i think it's worth it the comments will be considered we don't know in the end if they will make a difference you know a dramatic difference one way or the other, but it's definitely worth doing and something we can help with. Lynn, thank you again for joining us here on the Cannabis Council Cast to discuss Prop 65. Are there any final words that you'd like to share with our listeners before we wrap up today? So Emily, thank you again for having me. It's been a real pleasure to talk with you through these issues. The other piece of information to know is that OEHA has scheduled a public hearing on these proposed regulations. That will be May 10 at one o'clock Pacific. And there should be information regarding how to participate in the hearing. That'll be posted on the OEHA website prior to the hearing. So that's another great way to get involved and speak out about your position and and viewpoint on how these proposed regulations may impact your business. Always be one step ahead. These are proposed regulations and a big change potentially to the warning requirements for THC and marijuana smoke listings. So be, be one step ahead. Just follow the status of the proposed regulations. Reach out to us if you have questions or you need help. We are well equipped to do that. But definitely just stay one step ahead and know what's going on. That'll help with your compliance. Terrific. Thanks so much, Lynn. Thank you.